Hello, 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 and welcome to Canadian Made. I'm Olivia, and each week we're going to go behind the scenes of the Canadian entertainment industry. We're going to get into the weeds of how things get made and the people who make them. So today on the podcast, it's just me. I'm doing a solo episode, and I thought it would be a really good idea to do an episode all about Jean-Marc Vallée was an iconic Canadian director and sadly passed away this week. So I thought that this would be a good opportunity to uh, take some time to talk about who he was and the legacy he has left behind. Jean-Marc Vallée was born on March 9th, 1963. He's from Montreal, Quebec, um, and he was a Canadian filmmaker, film editor, and screenwriter. So legend has it that he went to school initially to be an accountant, um, but quickly found his drive and desire to be a director. And what a shame that would have been if he had been an accountant. So he studied filmmaking at uh, the University de Quebec at Montreal. Um, <laughs> you can tell, not amazing at speaking French. He got his start working on music videos and short films. And these short films uh, garnered him much critical acclaim. One in particular called Stereotypes um, actually earned him Best Promising Director at the Rendezvous du Cinéma Québécois. So I think it was clear from the beginning that he had an immense amount of talent. His first feature length uh, was in 1995, uh, and its English title was Blacklist. And it actually went on to become the highest grossing film in Quebec. And after he received a great deal of success on that film, he he did what most Canadians do, which is move to LA. Uh, where he directed several low-budget productions. During this period, he was uh, writing a screenplay inspired by his his own experience in his adolescence with his co-writer, with a co-writer. And this film was, of course, crazy. And what's interesting here is that there does seem to be a struggle uh, between him wanting to break into the English market, but at the same time, really valuing his roots and where he came from. So he ended up shooting crazy in Quebec. And after a very long production period, 10 years in production, it was finally released in 2005, was critically acclaimed and was and received amazing uh, reviews from critics. It actually has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is insane, and uh, was also deemed one of Canada's most, and it was also named among Canada's 10 most important films of all time. According to the internet, because I'm absolutely terrible at summarizing (laughs) plots of stories, of movies. Does anyone else have this problem? So Crazy is a coming-of-age drama, and it deals with the story of a young gay man dealing with homophobia, 
growing up um, in a large household in Quebec during the 60s and 70s. One of the hallmarks of Jean-Marc Vallée's filmmaking style is his, I don't know if whether to call it interest or um, his use of music because he's described as someone who knew everything about music and was a bit of an aspiring rock star himself. And so it's very clear how much he loves music and he's really able to utilize music to the best of its ability in his film. So in Crazy in particular, it has an extensive soundtrack and features artists such as David Bowie, Pink Floyd, Patsy Cline, The Rolling Stones. And he said, um, actually in an interview with um, the Roundtable interviews with The Hollywood Reporter, that he fights for a music budget on his projects because that's something that's really important to him. I'm obviously not a filmmaker, but as a, a consumer of media i think we all know the importance of music in films and how it can it can elevate the entire movie or that particular moment um, as the case may be and so that skill to be able to really find the best of the music and and the best of the movie and meld those two kind of magical mediums together is um i think a recipe for a great deal of success so as i said crazy had um huge critical acclaim and caught the attention of martin scorsese who then hired jean-marc to direct period drama the young victoria which was written by uh, julian fellows who is of course uh, the the creator of downton abbey and uh, so this, this movie is based on the early life and reign of Queen Victoria, who is played by Emily Blunt. And I think it was kind of a funny next choice of movie for him in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, it's a very kind of surprising, unexpected. Certainly when you look at his roster of films, to me anyway, the young Victoria seems like the, the odd one out. But I think that when you pull back the curtains a little bit and you uncover what he's interested in, his decision to do this film makes a little bit more sense. And the main reason that I think this is because throughout all of his films, he remains fascinated with with the dynamics of family. And something that he is also praised for is his his naturalistic view within the, the setting of the film. He's described as being someone who aims for emotional truth and portraying life as authentically as possible. So I think that with that in mind, I have to imagine that he felt like he could bring a really interesting and unique perspective to a person that could otherwise come across perhaps is a little bit stuffy. I certainly think that he really humanizes uh, Victoria in this story. And this story obviously centers around uh, Queen Victoria and her marriage to Prince Albert and kind of the sparkle of their romance. So I think, yeah, through that lens of him being really interested in, 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 
family dynamics. His decision to do this movie obviously makes what makes a lot more sense. So next up, um, in 2011, he directed, wrote, and edited Café de Flore, which is a love story that con- connects a man and a woman in present-day Montreal and a mother with her son in 1960s Paris. And this film is interesting because it explores true love in two different dynamics and in two different relationships. And I believe at this time, he had recently lost his mother. So this film was also an intensely personal film to him. And I mean, to be honest, he just doesn't really get bad reviews. His reviews just seem overwhelmingly positive. And I wonder if it's just because he strives for a more naturalistic, viewpoint and so it's it's harder to be critical of something that looks so so much like real life and I think that that's something we all kind of strive for isn't it to be to be authentic to ourselves to the people around us to be genuine and I think that making so much of making movies is is lies right (laughs) I mean that's what acting is you know it's it's you're you're retelling the story but it's you know, you're not, unless it's a documentary, you know, you're not, you're not doing it in real time, you're recreating it. And so I think that the ability to achieve authenticity on screen and to have it come across as natural is an incredible feat that to some degree needs to be achieved to have, to have a compelling film. And the way that in which he's praised for being able to achieve that is certainly incredible. Denis Villeneuve, who's of course another very famous Canadian director who's broken into Hollywood in his own right, wrote this incredibly moving in The Hollywood Reporter about Jean-Marc. And he describes Jean-Marc as being a man of high contrasts. And he says he was charismatic, magnetic, of strong leadership, modest, and shy all at the same time. He was flamboyant, mysterious, and discreet. He was at the epicenter of all attention, but highly protective of his privacy. He was gentle, loving, warm, but also could be tempestuous. He was passionate and mindful. He hated squirrels and bad drivers. He was honest, authentic, truthful, and incredibly generous. He was a nostalgic man and an ultra-modern artist. He was solid like a mountain, but hypersensitive. He was a complex figure, to say the least. So after Café Floret, he, what I would say was arguably his his breakthrough film um, in Hollywood, uh, which was Dallas Buyers Club. And this was a 2013 film, which was based on a true story of an aged patient who becomes the distributor of experimental or alternative medicines. And this movie goes on to be nominated for several Oscars and of course wins Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto, each an Oscar. Although he wasn't nominated for his directing efforts, um, this certainly got him on the map. What's kind of interesting, though, is that he actually was nominated for this film for Best Film Editing under his alias, John Mac McMurray, which 
I couldn't get to the bottom of why he had this alias or what happened there. I'm sure that there's a really interesting story. So if anyone knows it, I'm quite desperate to find out what, why he has this alias. So please send me an email. Send me a DM. Let me know. And I promise that I will share this story. If I do find out that I will share the story on my next uh, the next available podcast so everybody can also know. But it's kind of interesting uh, that he did that. Reese Witherspoon caught wind of his incredible talent as a director and recruited him for her movie, which was Wild. And this movie was eventually released in 2014. Knowing what I now know about him, he makes, sen- he makes complete sense as the perfect choice to direct this film because he doesn't use a big lighting setup. He likes to use natural light. And so I think that this this film's aesthetic was always going to have to be kind of a rugged, a rugged aesthetic, you know. She's backpacking. His ability to work in that way and his style being what it is makes him, I think, a great choice for this film. And I think that he's also at this time developing a reputation as being the actor's director and being really, really good at getting out of the actor's way and giving them the freedom to do what they have to do to to excel. You know, this this role was obviously a little bit different than what Reese Witherspoon had been doing before, and um, he probably really helped her feel comfortable going a little outside of the co- a comfort zone. And I think actually it must be really hard as a director not to be to be too controlling and and to have faith in the ability of the actors to actually deliver. And Kristen and Sina, who worked with Jean-Marc in Sharp, Sharp Objects, actually said it was very frustrating at first working with him because of how hands-off he was. He didn't, you know, he didn't get in the actor's way. But as he worked through the project with him, he said he felt incredibly free by the end of it because he actually had the space to act and explore so i'm jumping ahead before we get to sharp objects he worked um on demolition with jake gyllenhaal he directed big little lies his work on big little lies won him a primetime emmy award for outstanding directed on a limited series movie or dramatic special of course this was sort of controversial because then um of course uh it had a season two but putting that aside season one was fantastic this led him to sharp objects for hbo which he directed and executive produced of course is based on the famous novel by jillian flynn and starred amy adams after he finished directing sharp's objects he was part of a a round table with the hollywood reporter and he said that he was very selective with the projects that he he takes on he said choosing your film is choosing your lifestyle Are you going to be happy waking up in the morning doing this? He also goes on to say that he likes a 9 a.m. shoot time and he likes to be finished by 6 and the other directors at the round table couldn't believe that he asked for that and that it was granted to him. Um, And he said he fights for additional shooting days where he he can and a music budget, as I I mentioned before. So (laughs) I thought that was interesting. He obviously really values his work-life balance, which is 
you know, not a bad thing. But I think uh, it speaks to also that he's a bit of a rebel himself. He's not necessarily interested in following the rules of Hollywood, but interested in telling really good stories. So a little bit about his personal life. He was married to Chantal Cadeau. They were divorced, but not before they had two sons, Alex and Emile. And of course, so he he died this past week in his of a heart attack in his cabin in uh, Quebec at age 58, which is obviously incredibly sad that he he died so young and I think what's even even sadder about the story is that he was described in a New York Post article as being a health enthusiast who this is a quote who abstained from drinking worked out constantly and practiced Wilm Hoff's extreme breathing methods which involve holding one's breath for long periods of time often in frigid environments so yeah, it really sad that someone who seemed to be so focused on on longevity and and health and and fitness and wellness and mindfulness, you know, uh, unfortunately, whose life was cut short. So of course, uh, in the wake of his uh, his passing, there is kind of a never ending list of the celebrities who have come out to sh- to show their to offer their condolences to his to his family and express their their gratitude for his work and their uh, and their 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 heartbreak for his passing. So, Shailene Woodley, uh, Reese Witherspoon, Matthew McConaughey, just to name a few. Justin Trudeau uh, also wrote Jean-Marc Vallée's passion for filmmaking and the storytelling was unmatched. So too was his talent. Through his work and with his art, he left a mark in Quebec across Canada and around the world. And and I think it's true, you know, he was someone who obviously made it big in Hollywood but never lost touch with with where he came and and he always was interested in in giving back to the next generation of of filmmakers and will be will be gravely missed in the filmmaking community and especially in Canada. So, I thought that this would be an interesting episode for everyone to get to know a little bit more about him and his legacy and it's obviously an incredible loss for the Canadian filmmaking community but I hope that you learned something new about him today that you'll be able to uh, to take away as you hopefully go and stream one of his films in his honor hopefully while we still all have a little bit of break left in us Well, that is all from me today. If you have any episode ideas or things that you would like me to talk about, or if you want to comment on the solo episode versus the interviewing episodes, I'm so curious to hear your thoughts on it all. So send me an email. I have to tell you though, I do have some really fun episodes coming up in January. Some very interesting people who I have no doubt will have very interesting stories. Stay tuned. I'm really excited for what 2022 will bring the Canadian Made Podcast. So I hope that you stick along for the journey.